welcome to Power Play's Extended Play Series, a short podcast series of interviews with influential electric co-op managers that are innovating. I'm Terry Vishwanath, the lead economist for Power Energy and Water at CoBank. Our Extended Play content is actually a five-part series recorded to celebrate National Co-op Month in October. Over the course of the month, Tamara Reynolds and I will be sharing and celebrating, if you will, success stories from our electric co-ops. These are really uplifting stories of community leadership, energy transformation, and innovation that, well, they inspire. In the third of our series, my co-host, Tamara Reynolds, Managing Director at CoBank, catches up with Luis Reyes. He's the Chief Executive Officer and General Manager at Kit Carson Electric. It's a rural electric cooperative serving 29,000 members in Taos, Colfax, and Rio Riba counties in North Central New Mexico. About five years ago, Luis and Kit Carson's board engaged with their members to understand what sort of energy supply the community wanted and what other services the co-op should provide. With over 300 days of solar and strong environmental commitments, Luis found common ground for developing a vibrant solar program. By the end of this year, Kit Carson will have successfully achieved its goal of meeting 100% of its daytime electricity requirements with solar. That's a full year earlier than what the board originally committed to. It's a really great story. But for me, it's really exciting to hear Louis' vision about how co-ops can evolve with their membership. I think you're going to enjoy this one. Uh, listen in with Tamara's conversation with Louis. Louis, good morning. It's so great to see you again. Good morning, Tamara. How are you doing today? Good, good. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about um, Kit Carson and some of the solar initiatives and storage initiatives that you guys have going on and really just kind of dive into why you guys are looking at that and, and what what role the membership plays and what role the board plays in that and, and how you go about thinking about where you want to take Kit Carson Electric over the next, you know, five to 10 years. Well, uh, Tamara, you know, there. To your first uh, question, the you know the members drive Kit Carson. Uh, we have a very active and progressive membership. Uh, you know we're we're located right at the base of the Rocky Mountains in the Sangre de Cristo Mountains, and we you know our prime uh, economy is tourism. So we have a lot of ski areas. Uh, we have ranching, farming. Uh, so the environment is extremely important to us. Not you know because of tourism, uh, because of our livelihood uh, in ranching and farming. Uh, so we need blue skies and clean water and clean air. And, and I think the difference with uh, Kit Carson and its members is they really want the cooperative to, to walk the talk, uh, just not talk about it and uh, give excuses why we couldn't do that. Uh, it's, it's been a little over five years that we decided uh, to really engage the membership on what kind of energy supply do you really want in the future and what other services do you want Kit Carson to offer. So uh, the board set up meetings, and at the end of the day, uh, renewable energy was one of the top things they wanted us to pursue. And so we embarked uh, on a, uh, a goal to hit 100% daytime solar. You know, up here in northern New Mexico, we have over 300 days of solar, days that the sun shines practically all, uh, all day. So that, that made sense for us. You know, we had already a, uh, a radio station that was completely solar. And we had a, a bunch of different, uh, different groups that were interested uh, in, in solar for different reasons. You know, we had old Spanish land grant folks who really wanted to use it to leverage or to encourage people to go up to the mountains 
because it was there was no it was clean air. Uh, we have two tribes, two pueblos, that really embraced renewable energy as as basically a uh, getting back to uh, Mother Earth and what Mother Earth can offer as you know prosperity. And we have we have a very I guess dynamic progressive membership that really wanted us to see clean, renewable energy alternatives. And so we embarked on that. By the end of this year, we'll hit that goal. Uh, we've done it with distributed energy. So we have solar arrays, about 18 of them, ranging from uh, you know 40 kW at parking uh, canopies uh, to one under construction, a 15 megawatt array with battery storage. And they're located around our, our system. Uh, one of the things we found is uh, our members wanted their own solar facility. So we have kind of spread them out across different communities to make sure everyone has their own power. And, and I think that's helped because they see where the power is coming from. Uh, every day they, they pass it. In the early days, solar was more expensive. And, and now as uh, solar has become more mainstream, it's become the cheapest power supply. We decided then uh, to add storage. So we start to uh, understand uh, the value of storage, uh, the value streams of storage, and what storage uh, could help in the future with both uh, non-solar times and resiliency. Really what's missing in this transition to renewable energy uh, is that transition generating supply. Uh, right now, we have natural gas and coal that is baseload, but what, what do we do when those start to close? And so I think it's important to start getting some experience on batteries, uh, see what their limitations are, uh, understand their, their uh, cost and uh, their life cycle. And so it puts us in a good position to be ahead of the curve to make sure when uh, that last coal plant is closed that we can continue to offer reliable, affordable electricity, which is kind of the foundation of the co-op program. Maybe you could give us some more background on on some of the work that you're doing to keep your members engaged and how you keep them, uh, you know, sort of top of mind and what their what their needs are, what, you know, what you need to do to engage them, uh, you know, at Kit Carson. How do you keep that going? So, so Tamara, one of, the, one of the first and most basic things in, in member engagement, you know, outside of the board meeting is we really have a lot of member meetings where we meet in face, uh, meet in person during COVID, a little bit more difficult. But we, we, we sit down with groups of, of customers. So we have a lot of uh, consumer groups. We call them consumer advisory groups that we've set up, and, and we, we talk to them all the time. We also set up uh, meetings with uh, our two Pueblos. Uh, they do have uh, different and unique issues that they have to uh, uh, address. And then what we do is bring we bring all that information back to the board uh, to formulate policy, to uh, determine what are the common areas that we have, have uh, in our community. In, in the past, uh, you knew everyone who went to the grocery store and you knew everyone who went to the post office and schools. And now as people have moved out because they're tired of the urban lifestyle and want to live in rural areas, uh, you just don't know everybody. And they have different views uh, how things should run. Some have never been exposed to a co-op. So just the education of them saying, we're not, we're not an investor-owned utility, we're, we're the good guys, that takes a lot of uh, communication. And so we, 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 we start that as a foundation, kind of the good old-fashioned, just sit down and talk talk out what, what's important to you 
and let's see if we can deliver that. Then we, we formulate policy and programs. A good example is uh, we just started an EV program, EV charging program. Uh, we really didn't have a sense of how many folks had EVs in the area, and how many chargers outside of the ones Kit Carson had. And so we basically called a community meeting where we got about 50 different entities and individuals to talk about electric vehicle charging and uh, the future of EVs. And now they have made it a priority that Kit Carson should create an uh, EV charging infrastructure uh, for both our, our tourists and also create a program for uh, home charging. So here's a good example of you talk to your members, you bring experts, you get some consensus uh, of how to move forward. Uh, we brought in our policy, our elected officials, Tamara, uh, to make sure the codes uh, and we had locations to, to place uh, EV charging. We then met with CoBank to determine how do you finance this. And then you put a plan together. So now you have a community plan around EV charging uh, that's been embraced by the entire community. In fact, to the point where now people are asking for their charger in their neighborhood. So, so I think that the more you engage people, uh, listen to both what they want us to do and their complaints, really makes them feel at home that they do have a voice in, in, in at least in this case, their energy future. You know, it's, it's got us a, a pretty robust solar program, a pretty robust broadband program. Our storage is starting to take off. We're now starting to talk about uh, distributed storage uh, to address maybe some of the uh, wildfire issues we have in some of our mountain communities. And so you have both the Forest Service and ski areas embracing that idea. And now we have a really robust discussion and program started on electric vehicles, all started by asking the members, what is it you want? So can we talk about maybe that a little bit and, and talk about how some of those decisions you're making around solar and storage and, and you know, even broadband for that, for that matter, um, sort of transition what that model looks like and what that means for you guys as a successful service provider for your membership? I think that the business model uh, is going to change for co-ops, for all utilities, where we're going to be more service providers, maybe wire companies, to deliver uh, different types of services to our, our members. First, because our, our demographics are changing. Uh, there are not very many people who remember that first light bulb coming on, kind of on the ranch or the farm uh, or in small rural uh, communities. And so the new, the new generation, uh, uh, electricity is not a luxury anymore. It's expected to be on. Uh, 24-7. It's expected to be affordable. And the expectation is everyone should have it. Uh, and I think the other thing that's happening is technology is really changing uh, the energy uh, landscape. Uh, so I do think we have a lot of folks that are willing to now uh, generate their own, whether that's through rooftop solar. You know, I've always believed that fuel cells are going to become uh, mature and, and offer a uh, supply. It's almost like a cell phone. A, a fuel cell for me is one that is going to be powered by, by hydrogen that you get from the sun, and uh, it's portable. You can kind of plug and play it into your house, and uh, you can move it around if, if you have that ability to. But I think, I guess my point is, the way we deliver power in the future is not the way we deliver power today. And the expectations of our members in the past uh, are going to be are already changing 
where members want services from us uh, because kilowatt hours are easy to get now. But I can see a whole slew of uh, energy services uh, being offered to our members uh, where they want to generate their own energy. Uh, they may want to generate their own energy at different times. So then we act more like a battery. And, and I think we should be in a position to support those ideas instead of fight those ideas. Uh, because, again, we have to get back to our roots where uh, our members are our owners. And, and I think the, 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 the final thing I'd like to touch on is really the benefits of having a broadband network that will tie all this together. And so when I talk about broadband in, in, in this respect, we can say it's, it's used to make a more intelligent grid uh, so that we can offer our members real-time pricing or dynamic pricing. Uh, we can give them access to the grid to know if this is a good time to sell power or not. So they start making decisions and choices, and we, we can then, in essence, uh, conduct that transaction for them. Uh, we can start putting more intelligent devices in the home so that we can be smarter about what kind of power supply we need to deliver and be more efficient. And, and I think just with the experiences we had through COVID, those areas that lacked broadband really, I think, didn't, didn't weather COVID as well as those of us who had broadband in rural areas. But, but again, I think these are all services that we can offer our members and bring value. I think that's, that was the initial intent of the, the co-op program in the 30s was to bring some value uh, to rural areas. Bringing electricity back then in my mind was a form of economic development. And the byproduct was we'd, be electrified, we'd electrify the rural areas that fed us. And I think we're in our second big movement of bringing broadband to rural areas. Since we did a great job in bringing electric service to rural areas, uh, you know, Congress, uh, USDA, policymakers across the country are looking at co-ops now to deliver broadband because we did do a good job in delivering electricity. And I think that's the second major step in bringing more economic development opportunities uh, to our communities. Uh, you know, Tamara, because the fact is, if we don't do that, who's going to do that? And if we don't uh, offer services and really uh, start to uh, change as our members change, then all that's going to happen is they'll decide they're going to find leaders to uh, accommodate their, their needs, uh, or we'll lose people, we'll, we'll start to lose more people in rural areas where they're going to move uh, to urban areas because the opportunities aren't there anymore. Uh, so I, I think we're at a point to really kind of take the bull by the horns and, and be the real leaders that we've been for the last 80 years, or we can decide that uh, the game's over and let someone else do it. Yeah, that's that's a great point, Luis. And I, I really appreciate what you said about thinking about yourself as a service provider uh, in addition to all the things you've already done for the last 80 plus years, right? Um, we appreciate your time today talking about all the things going on at Kit Carson. I look forward to continuing to watch how you guys innovate and meet member needs. Thank you. Thank you very much. The information provided in this podcast is not intended to be investment, tax, or legal advice and should not be relied upon by listeners for such purposes. 
The information contained in this podcast has been compiled from what CoBank regards as reliable sources. However, CoBank does not make any representation or warranty regarding the content and disclaims any responsibility for the information materials, third-party opinions, and data included in this podcast. In no event will CoBank be liable for any decision made or actions taken by any person or persons relying on the information contained in this podcast.